today on Ag News Daily. We see that in California on a yearly basis. California does have uh, forest fire issues. They tend to turn people's power off every single year. Um, in agriculture, that's a big deal in California because it's, uh, they, they grow high-value crops. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Wednesday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Thanksgiving Eve, so I am very excited for us to get into Thanksgiving, have some good food, have some good conversations with family that I haven't seen in a while, and all of that fun stuff here. But in case you haven't picked up on it yet, this is Ashton Carr, and I'm going solo today as Delaney got caught up with some things just going into the holiday, which is perfectly okay, but I am going to keep things short here today, mainly because there's not a whole lot of news kind of leading into Thanksgiving here. But one thing that I did want to bring to your attention is that people, of course, are already talking about Christmas. There was an article that I saw up on agriculture.com today talking about the 12 tools of Christmas. So folks, if you need, I say folks, but uh, women out there, if you need a gift for, you know, your farm husband, boyfriend, fiance, brother, father, uncle, whoever, definitely go check out that article because it had some good stuff that I might be looking into for my dad, actually. But when it comes to news, I did have an article that I wanted to talk about today, talking about Car Hearts teaming up with Chipotle. They just announced that they have partnered up with Chipotle to promote a new line of farm-inspired clothing. And it looks like uh, there is some backlash coming out of this partnership. And in particular, this article that I'm reading that was on agdaily.com by Michelle Miller says that, of course, the problem with Chipotle is that they've had a long history of not being a friend to farmers. They had, um, you know, a couple of different ads or campaigns that have come out that don't really put a positive light onto farming. And one of those is the Farmed and Dangerous campaign. It kind of made it sound like food comes from, you know, some scary places filled with pesticides, hormones, antibiotics, factory farm conditions, etc. So, you know, Chipotle also claims that they buy from local farms, but there's been a kind of a question mark about that because it's been understood that they have been sourcing beef from Australia and pork from the UK, vegetables from Mexico, and so on and so on. So there's just been a lot of, I think, hypocrisy that surrounds Chipotle. There's been a lot of back and forth when it comes to Chipotle and the ag industry, but Carhartt is now teaming up with them to do this farm-inspired clothing, and Carhartt has gotten a lot of backlash. But according to you know some news statements, the profits from this co-branded collection will be donated to organizations like the Young Farmers Coalition with incentives focused on supporting young farmers. So kind of a toss-up here. Don't really know how I feel. If you are one of my friends, you know that I am not a fan of Chipotle. I don't think I've ever even eaten there. And in fact, I know for for a fact, I know it to be true that I've never eaten there. So I am not really a fan of Chipotle. And honestly, this doesn't win me over completely. I don't think I'll ever be won over completely. But I guess, you know, when some of this money is going back to young farmers, I can stand behind that. So 
That is all I have to say about that. I'll get off of my soapbox a little bit here and kick things over to talk about inflation. Of course, we've been talking about food inflation because of the pandemic and, you know, just a, a course of other things over, you know, the past two or so years. But when it comes to your Thanksgiving plate, this is not the most expensive we've seen something. Um, you know, the most expensive Thanksgiving that we've seen. But according to Purdue University ag economist Jason Lusk, who was a friend of the podcast, has dug into the numbers and done the math here and says that when you factor in worker earnings and median median weekly salaries, the average American back in 1980 would have had to work 175 minutes or almost three hours to earn enough money to buy a 20-pound turkey. Now, in 2019, using those numbers, which is the last time the Bureau of Labor Statistics released retail turkey prices, the average American worker only had to work about 80 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes to buy a 20-pound turkey. And if you're asking yourself why, Lusk says that efficiency in turkey production has brought the price down. But when you compare 2021 to 2020 and compare those retail food prices, Lusk says that Thanksgiving is going to be more expensive this year. But when we're looking towards the overall, we haven't seen you know prices that high since 1980. So I guess that's some good news there if you're trying to watch your loose change. But Moving right along here, like I said, not a whole lot of news as we enter into the Thanksgiving holiday. So I just have one other thing for you. And of course, that is coming up with some news about chlorpyrifos. I reported on that quite some time ago, and it looks like we're seeing some Republican leaders of the House and Senate Ag Committees calling on the EPA to rescind its ban on chlorpyrifos. Pennsylvania Congressman Glenn Thompson and Arkansas Senator John Boozman are leading a bicameral effort to overturn EPA's final rule on this commonly used pesticide. In a letter to Administrator Reagan, the group says the agency has ignored its own findings, showing a blatant disregard for science while causing confusion, uncertainty, and stress for farmers. EPA says the organophosphate pesticide has been linked to brain damage in children. And of course, we've had some small conversations, I would say, surrounding chlorpyrifos over the past couple of months. And this is just one that we're going to be adding to the docket here to see if anything does come up from the EPA after Thanksgiving, I would suspect, if we even get to see anything at all. But folks, that is all I have for you other than the markets, of course. I'm just going to hop right into the numbers here so I can get you all into the Thanksgiving holiday. I feel like I've, that's all I've been talking about today is Thanksgiving, but I am quite excited for a couple of days off to spend with my family. So just jumping right in here to the corn contract, the December down three quarters to close at 579 and three quarters, the March down at two and three quarters to close at 585 and a half. In soybeans, the January contract down six and a half cents to close at twelve sixty six and a half. The March down seven and a quarter to close at twelve seventy seven and a quarter. In wheat, the December down nineteen and a quarter to close at eight thirty six and three quarters. The March down seventeen and a quarter to close at eight fifty and a quarter. Now passing things over to the livestock markets. Some green on the screen here as we look into livestock, really just across the board, starting out here in live cattle, the December contract up $2.50 to close at $137.90. The February up $1.45 to close at $140.87.5. 
In feeder cattle, the January contract up $2.55 to close at $166.92.5. The March up $2.22.5 to close at $167.90. In lean hogs, the December contract up $1.27.5 to close at $75.42.5. The February up $0.97.5 to close at $84.25. Rounding out our market conversation for the week here with the class three dairy milk futures, the December contract down a cent to close at 1832, the January down 13 cents to close at 1862. And with that, I'm going to lead us into our conversation that Dawson and I had talking about propane at NAFB. Well, today we are talking to Mike Newland, who is from the Propane Education and Research Council. Very excited to be talking to you today, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I am doing fantastic here. Very excited to actually be face-to-face talking with you today, but want to know a little bit more about the council. You and I were kind of chit-chatting here before we started recording, and you're like a checkoff program. So I want to know a little bit more about what you do and what the council is really all about. Absolutely. So we are in our 25th year. Uh, We are the only energy checkoff program in the country. So we're pretty unique. Uh, So if people are familiar with the soybean uh, checkoff program or the beef council, we're very similar just uh, on the energy side of things. So uh, when somebody um, buys a gallon of propane, a fraction of a penny comes to our organization, that money then is... Uh, used to promote the industry. Uh, We are charged with promoting the industry. We also develop all the safety training materials for the industry. So if uh, somebody's getting propane delivered to their home, that company uses our materials to train their drivers. Um, Gosh, all kinds of things that we develop for all the 3,500 marketers that deliver propane safely to your farm or to your home. So I want to hear your elevator speech here on why we should choose propane. So propane uh, allows people to do what you want, where you want. Uh, Gives you the benefits of a clean burning gas fuel. And um, like I said, gives you the ability to put it where you want, where you want and when. Uh, Independent of any um, grid infrastructure. And why that's important, I guess uh, in Texas last year, we saw the grid go down due to a natural event, a storm. And uh, we see that in California on a yearly basis. California does have uh, forest fire issues. They tend to turn people's power off every single year. Um, in agriculture, that's a big deal in California because it, uh, they, they grow high-value crops and um, they need to water crops at various times and at critical times. And it gives those folks the ability to pump water with propane-powered engines uh, when the grid doesn't provide power and allow them to do that. So that's why it's critical. You have to be able in, in control of your own destiny, and a fuel like propane allows them to do that. Well, Mike, one thing that we've been experiencing around the country that has also been happening around the world is, you know, tighter energy supplies going on and raising prices up. Can you kind of give us an overview of how that's affecting propane? Yeah, so um, great question. And propane does fall into that same category. So propane is up just like every other energy. Uh, Propane comes from 
natural gas production as well as oil refining. So we tend to follow those two markets. Uh, there is some good news, I guess, and layered in there in the fact that we've had a um, less, less demand in corn drying this past fall. So we didn't use as much propane for that um, intense uh, draw as we normally do. So that gave us an opportunity to build supply here in the Midwest, especially. So that kind of gave um, the wholesale price an opportunity to ease a little bit. So supplies are better. If we were doing this interview four weeks ago here in the Midwest, supplies would have been even tighter than they are today. Uh, wholesale prices are easing a little bit, but weather from here out is going to really drive what price does on propane. Uh, if we have a warmer winter than normal, uh, price could um, uh, moderate a little bit. Um, if we have a polar vortex situation, uh, we could see prices, uh, in fact, increase. So our message to everybody, um, guys, you really need to take the opportunity in the spring and summertime to talk about your needs with your propane marketer but uh we're talking in november if you haven't had that conversation it needs to happen today uh if you haven't had the conversation call your propane marketer today talk through what your gallon requirements are um lean on those folks for advice if uh they've they've got gallons contracted they know where they stand take their advice and uh do the best listen to them take their advice and um uh, do the best you can from, from here out, here going forward. So sustainability has been a huge topic of discussion, especially here at NAFB this week. So where does propane really come into play in the sustainability game? Yeah, so the propane today uh, is clean burning fuel. Uh, it's recognized by the administration as a clean burning fuel. Uh, but the industry's not... Um, just relying upon that designation. So we're doing uh, work and research on the next generation of propane. So we are um, working on renewable sources. Uh, so there is renewable propane coming to, uh, to the industry. We're also working uh, with people who have additives that will make propane burn cleaner. There's a company called Oberon Fuels in California uh, that have a product called dimethyl ether and uh, it lowers the carbon intensity of propane even further. So it's made from uh, dairy waste. And uh, so a cool product that gets blended with propane in California. Everything is graded and rated on a carbon intensity score. So I'd encourage folks to uh, read up on renewable propane and dimethyl ether. And, uh, but yeah, we're continuing to do research on how to make propane burn even cleaner than it is today. So I see you guys have a propane farm incentive program that that you're working through for farmers. Can you kind of talk to that too? Absolutely. Great question. We love talking about it. Uh, so we give farmers an incentive. If you're not burning propane, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, go to propane.com slash farm incentive. We talk about the entire program there. Uh, you can earn up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new equipment. Um building heat, water heat for your farm. Um, what we're really looking to do is get you to switch from a different fuel or if you're putting in new equipment into a new new operation. Um, the details are propane.com slash farm incentive. 
uh, a little bit of fine print, but where there's a survey involved, we're really just looking for feedback. We take that feedback, we give it to the equipment manufacturers, and it's a pretty, pretty simple process, pretty painless process to earn that money. All righty. Well, Mike, you have uh, given us a couple of calls to action today. Definitely having our folks do their homework, but we certainly appreciate it. And we're excited for all that propane has to offer and what's to come. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. All information on propane is at propane.com. Well, thanks again to those folks over at the Propane Education and Research Council. I, of course, cut it out, but we did have a little hiccup there as I was trying to talk to them about policy, but they are a checkoff program. So, of course, they don't do anything up on the hill, but either way, it was a fantastic conversation to be able to talk about supply and cost concerns, their incentive program, and some reliability there in the propane industry. But folks, if you are doing any traveling over the next couple of days and want to tune into any of our past episodes, you can do so at agnewsdaily.com or wherever you find your podcast. Just be sure to give us a rate, review, and possibly subscribe. I think I'm a little biased, but I do subscribe, of course, to the Ag News Daily Podcast and some others across the Global Ag Network. So if you're trying to do any listening as you're doing your holiday travel, definitely check out our other shows on the network as well. With that, I'm going to let the people go.